And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. With the playoffs in full swing, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network every single Monday with myself, Zach Harper, and our cast of characters, Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Dave DeFord, James Edward III, Law Murray. We're breaking down every single big playoff story, and we're doing it with a lot of fun and a lot of trash talk. Make sure you're checking it out. The Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show every single Monday morning right in your podcast face. Hey everyone, this is Andrew Schlecht. And I am Alex Spears. And you can join us every Saturday on the Athletic NBA show for the Saturday Slammin' Jam. We will bring you the most interesting plots and storylines from the playoffs, fun guests, and a weekly trivia show where I attempt to completely embarrass my co-host Andrew. So grab your coffee, do your chores, and turn up the Saturday Slam and Jam right here on the Athletic MBA Show. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. With your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday and we're a little bit late, uh, which I guess has kind of been a theme for this show. So that means it's Nerder She Wrote. Uh, I'm Dave, Seth and Mo are here, and uh, fellas, the Phoenix Suns are two wins away from a championship. They're up 2-0. Um, we're recording this Friday early afternoon, so uh, the night after Game 2, Game 3 is going to be on Sunday. Um, I guess let, let's just start with our sort of initial thoughts and, and Mo, look, your, your video threads on Twitter and your Twitch stuff has been great and it is focused a lot on pick and roll, especially for Phoenix. And I guess what have you seen out of Phoenix offense? And is it, is it only the pick and roll that they're getting stuff out of or what? I don't want to say it's the only thing, but it's the most important thing, you know, that they're running and that they're just going at it. And it's, you know, the Bucks have had a plethora of, of, of different defensive coverages and just haven't quite been able to figure out the Suns in that sense. You know, it's they're just getting so much out of the pick and roll. I mean, look at it this way. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have the highest point total after two games in NBA Finals history as a backcourt. You know, uh, I think that just says a lot. Like, they're getting whatever shot they want. And it's all starting out of the pick and roll. And the thing I love the most about it is it's not always just a stagnant Chris Paul brings the ball up the court 
run a high screen and roll. It's there, almost never that. Yeah, it's true. There, 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 there's there's, there's some of that. There's 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 there's, there's some of it. it. It's 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 there's some of it. But with Booker, a lot of it is getting Booker in an action and then on the move. Like they're just doing different actions to get into the pick and roll. And like I just love it. To me, that's basically porn. So I, I guess Seth, why the hell can't the Bucks defend this? Right? Like I mean, it's not like the pick and roll is secret. You know. Yeah, I think so. To Mo's point, like, I, yeah, I think Chris Paul has has probably run of more kind of vanilla pick and rolls than you know Booker, where they have him, you know, set a pin down, have him come flying out of the corner into like a DHO or or like a, an elbow pick and roll, something like that. But uh, the thing that, especially in Game One, that Chris Paul did was they went into it fast. They you know, they, they sussed out very quickly. The Bucks were switching. And so Chris Paul is, even after a make, is dribbling down, is, is almost speed dribbling down the court, pointing out, you come set the screen because I want to go against Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis with 18 seconds on the shot clock. And they're getting, they got into that right away. And, you know, that the, the big switching onto a guard can work if you've got to do it for six seconds. You got to do it for 16 seconds. I mean, come on, what what are you asking the guy to do there? And that was a big part of, especially in game one, why uh, Phoenix was able to to really, you know, get to a lot of what they wanted pretty easily for for most of that game. And were they keeping the Bucks moving? Right, like the Bucks are are being forced into rotation, and they're just staying there. There, there was that clip. I, I'm sure you guys have seen it um, from from the game two. They had a possession that was like 11 passes or something like that. And the Bucs were on every single shot. They were on every single pass. Chris Middleton gets a hand on the ball. It did not matter because the Suns just kept moving and kept making passes until they wound up with an and one dunk. And it's just like sometimes you just have to say good defense, better offense. We got to do better next time. And that's what it has felt. Honestly, what it has felt like a lot of this has been is just the Suns offense this is really fucking good. The Suns are just really good. Yeah, like, we have it's, underestimated it's them. We have underestimated them continuously. They're good. That is a good basketball team. I don't want to hear anything about oh they had an easy road and injuries and all. look. Everybody gets that every single year. I think this team would have beat the Lakers if they had been healthy. Now we don't yeah, no, know. I don't. Oh, I don't. I do. Playing can, like no, no, this. No, 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 no. But both can be true, Dave. True. Both right, can fair, be true. Fair. It's fine. It would have gone seven. Both can be true. You can have it had gone an seven. easy road. No, but it, it would have had seven. an. E- you could have had an easy road. In the Suns. And and the, yeah, we know you believe in the Suns, Dave. We know They're it. So you love it. You love the new thing, Dave. Yeah. I get it. You jump on the new toy like it's a shiny light deal. It's a fucking podcast. It. It's That's fine. what you're supposed to do. Dave, I get it. Chill out. No, but I'm saying is. Listen, here's my thing is both are true and I'm okay with it because the thing is, if the Suns lost any of those series without those guys as main guys, we'd be burying them. They did their job and they are freaking good at the end of the day. And when you look like when you talk about that possession, that possession was amazing on both ends. Because I'll be honest, I was impressed with the Bucks' defense. They made they had two guys rotating to the same guy, and still were able to scramble out of that and and get it almost get a steal. Like it's along those lines. But at the end of the day, it's the way the Suns are playing. Is just they're on a hot streak right now, and it's incredible. And that possession in particular, at the end of it, you can see how dead the Bucks' legs were, and it was because. The Suns are just getting them moving every single defensive possession. And it is just relentless. It's a, it's been really impressive to watch them 
offensively. Um, how do you feel about the Suns' defense? It's been okay. Here's the thing. I haven't been all that impressed by their defense, partly because, you know, when Chris Middleton is still getting pretty good looks, he just goes, what did he do uh, last game? Didn't shoot it well set game two. Did all right in yeah. game one. Drew Holiday has fallen apart. Four for 14 game one, seven for 21 in game two. Like that's, you know, the the problems there. He's, he's hitting Bledsoe levels of, of <laughs> offense here in the finals, and it's a bit brutal. And when you're you're kind of watching it for the Bucks, like you're not winning the series if Drew Holiday is going to play like Eric Bledsoe. Well, you're not. They start a little unfair. I mean, he was he was really good defensively yesterday. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Yeah. But you need him on the offensive end. Yeah. The whole point was you got him because of what you needed him to do on the offensive end, almost more than the defensive end. So I'll say this about the 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 sort of we, this we a lot of the discussion has been about the Suns' offensive and Bucks' defensive side of the ball, and I think a lot of what's happening, as you mentioned is on the other end, is the Bucks' offense. Now, some of it is, especially in game two, they didn't make shots. But it's also kind of their their style almost plays into Phoenix's strengths in that Phoenix was one of the better teams I saw all year at guarding actions one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, not putting themselves in rotation unnecessarily. And the way the Bucks pl- can get into a rut of playing – is, is not a way that's necessarily going to put you in rotation. It's Giannis is just going to overpower you. Chris Middleton is going to hit jumpers over you. And not in a way that's going to put – they're going to beat you. They're not going to break you necessarily. And so that's sort of puts them in the hard spot of needing those guys to, to just overwhelm. Whereas because the Suns are playing kind of the, uh, the D'Antoni version of fast, which isn't just sprinting everywhere – but it's moving, moving right away and keeping moving. And that means the Bucks has to move right away and keeps moving. And there's just so many chances on every possession for something to go wrong for the Bucks, And you end up with an eight and dunk or a corner three for someone. They had 18 corner threes last night. Like that doesn't happen without you working at it on your offense. And so I think that sort of stylistic difference as much of anything. And that's, that's, that's a personnel difference as much as it's style. But I think that's the that's the really the hinge point of the series right now. Well, I mean, styles make fights, right? And and you know this this coaching matchup is really interesting to me. Um, Mike Budenholzer, we are well versed in in his. I don't know what do we want to say playoff struggles, I guess. And, and Monty Williams, uh, that wired was it mic'd up wired segment. What do they call that thing? Where he's he was coaching? Wired, yeah, wired, well, sure. Wired. You know, he had that moment where he was coaching Aiton and and we got to sit in on it. And look, man, I I think part of coaching is meeting your players where they're at so you can get them where they need to be. Monty Williams just seems to have like a read on how to do that for these guys. And it's like the the Suns level up almost every game. Like you can see, like they're picking up something new. These young guys get better. Aiton has you know, a, a rough offensive night and Mikel Bridges steps up and has a huge game. This is an incredible coaching job that he's done for the team that has the least amount of finals experience. Is it ever Seth? Uh, this was, this is coming into this playoffs. The, this is the le- the team that made the finals. The only team in the last 10 years, I think that has had as little playoff experience as the Suns was the uh, 2015 warriors. And uh, as good as we think the Suns are, I don't think any of us would put them them with that that talent level. 
Yeah, no, but to go back to the coaching thing too, though, Dave, like this is an education in terms of a coach adjusting and changing who he is a little bit. You know, the the knock on Monty in New Orleans was, you know, with, from players was too controlling, too over the, the, the top, too on, on top of these guys and almost over coaching. You know, and I think he's he's kind of done a great job himself sort of being a little doing kind of a evaluation inwards and, and, and checking what's going on there. And now you're watching him and he's doing a great job of just coaching just enough. I'm going to just do just the right amount. You know, he's even said many times like, hey, man, I just let Chris Paul go. You know, Chris Paul knows what to do. I'm just letting him go. He doesn't need me to call a play and things like that. I think there's an element of adjusting from that because like listen when he left new orleans or when he was like going new orleans monty williams was a bad coach you know like in in theory right everybody's knock was oh he's a bad coach he can't do this this or that it just goes to show also that not all these guys you know when they get let go of coaches are actually bad coaches right it's just situations sometimes they have to learn sometimes they got to adjust and things like that there's so many things but, you know, the, some of these guys, just like players, can improve in terms of the coaching aspect. And I think we're watching that with Monty Williams growing as a, a as a head coach. And that's an interesting point. And I'm glad you brought it up because it just goes to show how little we actually know about who can and can't coach, especially in their first job. Right. Like we have no idea. And, and you know, Seth, you and I, we talk about this a lot. Because Darvin Ham's name comes up a lot and you guys obviously work together, but you have firsthand knowledge inside the building. And so when you give me your opinion on on guys that you've worked with, that's different. When, when Mo tells me about the people that he's worked with, when I talk to other coaches and they tell me firsthand, OK, yes, but I also have to take it with a grain of salt because you probably like Darvin Ham, right? Like he's probably your friend. And, and I like, yeah, the Dar, Dar, I'm like, I, I think very highly of, of, you know, Darvin Ham and Charles Lee are two guys who are getting, you know, their name out there this year and I, and, and have get, gotten far in process. And I think based on what I've observed, I think both would be, both have a chance to be pretty good coaches, but I can't compare them to, you know, who like in, in Washington, is it the Wes Unseld Jr. Right. It's like one of the, I, I, I don't know a damn thing about Wes, what Wes Unseld Jr. is going to be like as a coach. Cause I, you know, I've never been in a practice with him. I've never seen him work with players in, in uh, you know, in, in the development setting. I've never seen him in the film room. I've never seen him interact with the front office. I don't know what that looks like. And those are all the things that, you know, that, that are outside the two hours we watch during the game, which are so much more important to how well a team really performs. Like, yeah, in the, in the playoffs, we can pick at these little micro things and those matter, but you have to get to a certain point for those things. You have to earn the right for those things to matter first. And it's, it's, that's almost, oh, 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 he gets to a spot where his, his, uh, his foibles matter is, is like, that's almost a compliment for, for a coach, right? You know, he, he rises to the level where the things he can't do become important. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. And, you know, it's just along those lines, like everybody just makes an assumption of this person's going to be a great coach 
because they've been with this team or whatnot and, and things like that. You know, it's it's never a fair analysis in that sense. Also, they're going to a different situation. The situation may not be a good situation that they're heading into. And to just judge them on that, that one opportunity is always something that's a bit awkward. So I think, you know, it's coaching in general is very hard to figure out because the honest truth is so much of coaching is behind the scenes that we don't even see. All we see is the X's and O's, the rotations, the, the most wired segments are already like, Hey guys, let's get a rebound. That's your wired <laughs> yeah, segment, yeah. right? Like that's the, the gist of it. Um, but like, we don't really get to see all the, the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, how they're interacting, how they're, as everything Seth said, front working with the front office in the film room, doing all these things. We don't get to see that. So it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to assess a coach without knowing those things. And it gets even harder when the guy never had any of that in his, you know, and getting his first time head job, you know. So I think it's it's patience with those guys in terms of the analysis. And, you know, we'll we'll see it as we go. But it's like I'm never comfortable saying, oh, that's a great hire when it's a first time head coach. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. I, how many people are just good in their first head coaching job in the NBA? Not a lot. Most, I mean, it's sort of the same thing with players, like with draft picks. Most guys who get drafted are going to be bad. Most guys who get are not going to be, you know, the, the, there's, uh, you know, the five coaches that that sort of matter in a positive sense, give or take, in the NBA every year. Uh, just from sheer, like, you know, statistical averages, you're, any individual guy is not likely to be in that, in, or any individual person is not likely to be in that group. Yeah. Right. And and it's again, it's it's also situational. Like I think. We, I think we all know like some pretty big fans of the Warriors who were really not happy with the job Steve Kerr did this year. All of Warriors. That's fans. a com- yeah, but that's a com- but but okay, but he does the same thing with a different team, and it's perfect because it's perfect for that team. And that to get to what you know you guys were saying about Monty taking a step back, he has the players. I mean, obviously Chris Paul, but that's that is a high field team. With the of, of their rotation, aside from perhaps Aiton, that is, you think of those guys, those are all very high field players. So you can like, yeah, no, you 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 you've got to figure it out. You're like, I can I can push, I can I can prod, I can make suggestions, but I don't need to, I don't need to order dinner for you because you you know what you like, you know what's good. Um, and but with a different team, that would be a disaster because it would be guys running all over the place, not knowing what they're doing. Um, but you've got Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. Like, yeah, like let them figure it out. Well, okay. So there's that. And and then there's Mike Budenholzer who, you know, I mean, how do you guys feel about the job he's done so far? I, I think that for the most part, the criticism's a little bit over overblown because a lot of this has been about their guys not playing well outside of Giannis. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think that, there's definitely room for improvement, Mo. Yeah, no, there's – I mean, first off, I didn't like the switching to start the game uh, in game one. And I, I think we've kind of hit on that already. But I think there's a bit of bullshit out there that he's not adjusting. You know, it's he's run several different types of defenses. I mean, even in the game last night, you know, Lopez is up. And as he's dropping into drop coverage, they're getting help from the, the other guard – dropping into the elbow trying to stunt and get back out now 
right or wrong, whether that was a thing. He's trying things, like, right? And that's and it sucks because he's at the point in the finals where you're like, damn, we're, we have to experiment at this point. But they have to experiment at this point because they're trying to stop the Suns who are red hot. So I think, you know, uh, it, it's unfair to say he hasn't made adjustments or anything like that. When he's done just that, you know, really actually did a good job throughout the playoffs with some of his defensive adjustments and things like that. But ultimately, you know, I think we just have this, people are just stuck with this lazy narrative of Bud where it's like, that's not the reality right now. And, you know, their struggles are, I think, more on the offensive end. It's funny because I was thinking a lot during the game last night, you know, they just need to go to an all offensive lineup. Wait. What is that even like? What is that? Who, who, like, Bobby right. Portis is, <laughs> who is that? Like, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the biggest, I mean, the, I, I think, you know, I think the one of the big things is they are, they are relying too much on PJ Tucker this series. This is not a good PJ Tucker series. Mm. Um, but it's not like there are, like, I think, honestly, if you, like, you, like, you know, if you switch Tucker and Lopez's minutes, like, I think Lopez should play more. And I think, um, perhaps start Connaughton, but that's like, you know, that's, these are around the edges kind of things rather than, you know, uh, a wholesale, like he's costing them massively. It's like, no, they did like their defense was in, in, in many ways, pretty decent last night. And Phoenix just banged a ton of shots. They made 23s. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, okay. You can, you, know, you can have some criticism. Like you shouldn't give up 18 corner threes, but at the same time, even if you give up 18 corner threes, they're not going to make 11 of them every night. So yeah, you and and that's you know your some of that is a lot of it is just Phoenix is is just a better team, especially with Giannis at not a hundred percent. Phoenix is better, and that and you can't like you can you can try to adjust and close that margin. So hey, if we shoot well and they shoot poorly, we'll win, or they shoot average and we shoot really well. Or something like that, but at the same time, you're still, you know, you're you're the deck is stacked against you, and and you know, if everyone plays to form, one team is going to finish a little bit higher than the other just because they're better. You know, and and the one thing I like, the one thing I'd like to see them adjust to for Game Three, in terms of especially with Middleton struggling and Holiday struggling, I kind of want to see him almost pair Lopez and Middleton together a little bit more and and Giannis and Holiday more one you know almost like set the pairs to the bench when you start rotating and in, 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 towards the end of the first quarter and start subbing and things like that because I think look Lopez and, and Middleton had some good stuff going in that Atlanta series when Giannis was out like there was a little some good stuff in the pick and roll action between the two of them you know I want to see a little bit more of that that might help Middleton get off you know the the, the, the snide a little bit there and, and, and bounce back in game three. And I think Holiday with, with Giannis in a pick and roll action, I think could be a good thing to get Holiday going a bit. I, I just want to see maybe that tweak offensively a little bit from Bud. But again, at the end of the day, those guys also just got to make shots. They got to make shots. Well, make no, layups. Like, like, How many layups did have these guys blown? I mean, just open layups, just getting blown. And it's just, it's odd. And, you know, with, with Drew Holiday, he started getting some stuff going, attacking the basket, backing down, backing down smaller guys. Why don't they just start out that way? Like when he's playing like a bowling ball, I think that's 
it, it really sets them up well. I, I think they have some of their best offensive games when out of the gate, Drew Holiday is attacking the rack and he's putting his ass on somebody. I think part of that is is Aiton has been pretty good defensively this series. Right. Like that's that's you know, and this is again where sort of the the you know, yeah, Miss DiVincenzo, maybe they're a shooting wing short. Those little things really come into play because it becomes so easy for not necessarily easy, but becomes fairly straightforward for Phoenix to create a lot of congestion in the lane because oh, it's PJ Tucker space into the opposite corner and go ahead. Like, okay, he made three of five last night, something like that. What about the other 65 possessions he was on the floor and there was a guy sat in the lane just, you know, making it harder for everybody else? Like, I, I, it's not very hard for me to argue that even him going three of five, you know, this is, I like to call this the Andre Robertson rule. I think we've talked about this before, right? Where like PJ Tucker could make every shot he took and his defender would still be right sitting at the top of the, of the charge circle the whole time on defense because he's not going to take enough shots for that to overcome that for those makes to overcome how much they can muck up the, the offense by having that extra help in the middle. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, you know, injuries and personnel limitations as much as it is scheme, because it's not like you can, there's not like something you can do with PJ Tucker. To, it's not like rotating him up to the slot is going to make him have more gravity or something like that. He's a, he's a corner threes only shooter. So with a slow you know, load, what are you doing? Yeah, and and you're you know and you okay? Well, don't, don't don't play PJ Tucker. Okay, now we're down to five guys. Right, like you know, it's it's there's 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 just a certain like the deck that the hand you're dealt is what it is, and sometimes the other team just has the winning hand and you can't bluff them off. I mean, there. Jeff Teague's playing in the first quarter. You know, it's just I think that the Bucks are just a couple of guys short. I, but they we kind of felt that this might be the case for them. A lot of this year, and, and this is where the Bogdanovich deal kind of falling through. I mean, you can see the blueprint. That's exactly yeah. what they're missing. They would have been thinner I, I, had it gone through. I, well, but. yes, but I think that they're, yeah. like having a guy who can who can work off the dribble the way that he can. Like, they, I think they're just missing that guy. Like Middleton is great at it. Drew's not hitting shots, so it's not helping you. And you know the Giannis stuff. He's been fantastic, but they're they're missing so, that one guy who can get you a bucket off the dribble. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's not like so. This is a really good point because I think the, a lot of people are sort of making the the point that hey, the Bucks have won the Giannis minutes. It's true. Those other minutes count too, and that's where campaign. Like, okay, you're getting Chris Paul's doing Chris Paul things for thirty minutes, and then this guy comes in and he's going nine thousand miles away. Like, it's just a completely different thing. And that's just such a that's such a huge advantage for Phoenix in this series to be able to have that 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 pressure they can put on for 48 minutes because they can basically always have two initiators on the floor at any given time when the Bucks kind of have none on their roster in, in, in that same way. And also just people need to understand, especially in the finals, but a few minutes can kill you. 
right? Like three minute segments and a game can be broken open. Like it's, it's, or a team can get back in. Like it's literally those moments where Giannis has to go sit. It's a huge, huge play. The, the big the big where game two broke up one was actually the, like there's a three minute segment in the second quarter not when Giannis went out but when Holiday went out mm. because that's when they like they had both Booker and Paul were on the floor and they had nobody to guard either of them and they both went off for about three minutes and it went from like I don't know, it went from like six to sixteen yeah in, in like two or three minutes it just doesn't take much it's it's basically yeah. like this is why it's it's. Sort of like even <coughs> look for the Suns losing Sarich was was a pretty is is a little bit of a big deal in the sense of okay now Frank Kaminsky gets three minutes a game you know like Dave was just killing the Bucks for Jeff Teague getting minutes you know it's it's a long well, I'm not even killing now, him I, I feel bad for him I mean but it's no just, it's a situation it's a problem that they, they have to deal with it's it's now Tory Craig goes out and and I think they tweeted out no structural damage so that's great news but. Who knows if he's going to be able to make the Giannis-like return to the ring? But the, you know, the 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 thing is, like, he's got a. They now are thinner in the rotation again, and now spread everybody out even a little bit more. So now there's a couple more minutes they they got to figure out what they're going to do. Small minutes is is sometimes all it takes for this game to be broken wide open. This is another instance where just not having athletes is also hurting them. Right. Like this team, the Bucks, this was the glaring weakness, not just uh, on ball creator, but they just don't have dudes who can go right. Like you don't have a guy who can just go out there and run around and make stuff happen. Except for Giannis. Well, Thanasis, but like, the, okay, the limitations how about a basketball are, so, player, right? Like, like, you know, like, let's get somebody who has basketball skills that can do that stuff. But this is where I think that you're really seeing that because they just don't have there. There's no like X factor on their team. You're going to see whoever's coming, coming, because it's got to be one of the guys that can do it because you know that they don't really have anybody else. There's not a guy, uh, you know, I always thought DJ Wilson might've had a chance to be a guy who could just come in, be the freak athlete guy. Hasn't worked out that, but this in particular, last night I was watching this game and I was, all I could think of Seth was the conversation we had at the beginning of the season where they didn't address that glaring need for some athletes. And this is this has been, um, you know, I, I think that was a that was the case against Toronto in 2019. That was the case against Miami last year. And the one thing I'll say is that we did kind of know that there the, it was a multi year gamble almost that they put together. Like they they make the holiday trade. Okay, if we sign Giannis, then we're we're good going forward because they they didn't really like because of you know the hard cap and all those things. They didn't have as many avenues to add kind of those players. And, you know, they, they had one in Torrey Craig and for whatever reason that just didn't work out for him there. And that's, you know, I think in retrospect, you probably would say that was regrettable because man, they could use that kind of player right now. Um, Even if he's not the best player in the world, just having a six, seven guy who can go useful. Um, But next, but going into next year, like they're, they're, you know, Giannis and Holiday and Middleton and they have like, they're probably going to re-sign Tucker and then you add in, you know, you, you see it's going to be an attractive place to go because you know, there's playing time for, for, you know, maybe not a star level guy, certainly, but a a good, you know, like, you know, a good six, seven, the six, eight athletic kind of 
I don't even know who the player is. Like next Nick year's Nick Batum. Batum. Yeah, next year's Nick Batum. <laughs> Marcus Morris. Find a Terrence right. Mann. Like, like, look at look at everyone on the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, find, find, find the Clippers non-stars. Find yeah. So Terrence basically, Mann. sign Reggie Jackson. Sign yeah. Batum. This is all the get all the guys the Clippers <laughs> had this year. I mean, Reggie Jackson would be playing forty minutes a night right now for this team. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer that that they're so shorthanded. And, and by the way, I don't want to go ahead and just write them off and say that they can't come back. I mean, it's the NBA. Right, right. Tory Craig might might be out. You talked about the Frank Kaminsky minutes, Mo. No, two, two, no, no team has ever come back from a two nothing lead. It's never happened. Oh wait, except for uh-huh. like the five times this postseason. <laughs> well, I mean, the Bucks just did it. Unreal. Bucks yeah. just did it against well, that's the, the Nets. Joke. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. The, and yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, it, it feels like a five game series after two, but game three. Look, Middleton back home. Drew Holiday. I like. You guys feel like the Bucks can take the next two, and we're going to wind up with like a, a, a real series, or do you think maybe they get one? And but Phoenix is just so much better. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's hard. I, I, it's. There's no way. First off, again, we don't no know assumptions yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. We don't know I, this, yeah. Especially this year. Like, I've not had any, any uh, good luck with any sort of prediction. So I'm not making any. Um, I could see both scenarios happening. You know, the the sun sweeping and the Bucks winning too, and everything in between could happen. For all I know, Godzilla might show up. It's along those lines of how weird the playoffs have been, but you can't count the Bucks out. You know, look, it, it it sucks. They wasted a great Giannis performance last night offensively. I didn't think he was that great defensively, but they've they've wasted a, a offensive performance there from him. It's if they get those guys going, it changes the the complexion a little bit of the offense. It helps a little bit, makes things a little bit easier on Giannis. I just saw somebody going like, "Why doesn't Giannis just get thirty shots in the paint?" Well, like, look, everybody's struggling. They're just going to collapse the paint on him. It's not also you know, like that. Does that's not how that works? It's but the it's one like, thing we always talk about. 
you just wall up. And that, and that, and that's the thing that we always beat up Giannis for. So, you know, and, and, and it's, but it's not that we beat up Giannis for it's that it's the other guys aren't hitting shots and that's the concern. So, you know, I think it becomes easier if you just become so Giannis focused, they got to get those guys going. And it, listen, Holly took 11 shots in the first quarter. <laughs> like he was aggressive. They just weren't good shots. And, and as <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy said, it would be nice if he made a few more, but like, it's, it's along those lines of, you know, it, it you got to get them good opportunities and just movement and motion and, and actions there a little bit would be something I'd like to see offensively from the bucks. If they get some of that, I think they got a shot. Yeah, again, the, the problem is, is they're partially due to the, 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 the talent on hand is they're not a high motion offense. And so that does give Phoenix a little bit of a leg up. And just in terms, they're always going to be able to find the guys, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the, the, the things you can do in a, in a, in an offense with more movement is sometimes you get a, you get a free look because the defense, Oh, I did where to go. And that just doesn't happen. If, if you're very, if you're running as regimented a look with the, 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 the guys with the ball in their hands as well defined as they are for Milwaukee's offense. So uh, I guess let's make some predictions, even though we're going to be wrong. I just said no. I know. No, I, I'm sorry. No, it's a no. podcast bylaw. Um, I, look, I, I think – Bite me with look, your bylaws, Dave. I, I think game three, it, if we're just thinking about how playoff basketball tends to work, right? Game three, the Bucks should get that big home bounce back game and win it. Game four, though, I think that this is where Chris Paul – is ultra important because Chris Paul is not going to like, he's not going to be affected by losing game three. And and I wonder, you know, these other guys first little, you know, first loss in the finals and maybe they start overthinking it. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue because this team is really good, but that's my one little, like I worry about the Suns there. That's it. This is, I, again, this is a, I worry about them less because they don't know any better. Fair. Like we talked about this a little last week and Mo yelled at me, uh, but that happens. I yell at you all the time. Uh, yelled yeah, at me. I, 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 don't even, uh, I don't even know what for this time. Yeah. Um, I, um, oh, I, 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 I like posited that it was – I think we were talking about it was a good thing that uh, Phoenix didn't make oh, the playoffs yeah, last year no, because yeah, they don't – because they, they, get they get in these spots. No, they get in these spots and they, and they lose a game. And, oh, okay. Well, yeah, let's go back and get them again next game. Whereas, you know, they haven't totally internalized the the soul crushing, oh, we lost, everything is over kind of thing that that more veteran playoff teams can sort of do. Do you, well, you, you, you know, know what I mean? Funny. The, 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 the ability to at the same time like take what happened in the game and adjust, but also flush it. Well, they got like that, doing both the They got that eight oh run in the bubble and then went home. And yeah. I wonder how much of a positive like boost that is. Almost like not like you won a championship, but hey, man, you showed up and you played and you played well, and now you get to go home and now you're going to train. What yells at me for? Yeah, but <laughs> yell at him. I mean, no, I think that it was stuff, it was it was it was, and both of you are still wrong. You don't think that stuff is that. a positive boost for your program? No, it's a great it's a great feel in the ending. Oh, the that's program. all I'm saying. Better better to make the playoffs. You'd feel even better if you made the first round of the playoffs. I'm that's just the deal. Sure. Um, but I, I, the the thing is, I think we're overthinking this. Like, if they lose Game Three, they're going to be in their heads or anything like that in Game Four. This team has proven not to be mentally weak. 
Like, and, 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 and I'll say in the sense of, you know, they haven't faced a lot of adversity, but they've had some challenges. Chris Paul with the shoulder right away in game one, that became a question throughout the first round of the series. Then start the conference finals with Chris Paul and COVID protocols and had to miss the first two games. Like they've had some of those challenges. They've never looked and shaken. Like, honestly, they haven't. That's the one thing I want to give them credit for in terms of being a young team. So like your, your thought, Dave, of like, well, if they lose game three, you know, or is it going to creep into their heads for game four? My answer is like, hell no, it's not. It's, and this team doesn't get shaken like that. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that's something that's even a concern, you know, like it wouldn't even have entered my mind. My only thing is if they lose game three, it's like, I want to know how, because I want to see what it was in terms of what the Bucks did right now. It's on the Bucks to win game three. That's the thing for me. You know, the crowd's going to be rocking. They're going to come out maybe early, throw a punch in the first quarter or so, and eventually it's going to come along the lines of, you know, the Suns will make a run and get back into it. It's how do you respond after you throw the first punch. That's the most interesting thing in game three that I'm going to be looking for for the Bucks. Has Devin Booker surprised you guys with how freaking tough he is? Have, like, have you noticed that in the playoffs? This guy, I mean, like he broke his nose. And I mean, he didn't shoot well after Twice. that. Yeah, he didn't shoot well after that. But man, this guy is just like tough as nails. Um, I, I look, I'm I'm with you, Mo. Uh, I just like to throw stuff out there. As you know, young team, maybe it's a thing. Uh, oh, I see. Ha- You're just gonna abandon me. I'm that just quickly. asking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just asking questions. You know, it's what it's, that's my job here. Um, okay, so uh, uh, is it gonna go seven, or is it more likely to go five? How about that? For me, more likely to go five. Um, I just think the Bucks are just a better team at the end of the day. Suns, Suns are a better team. Suns. Yes. Sorry. The Suns are a better team at the yeah. end. It would be really interesting if the Bucks won this in five yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, 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 get, I, think, I think it's a I, – I think we do have to caveat that with especially like – you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you know, Giannis wasn't great defensively last night, and I think that might be where we're seeing the injury yeah. more than than on offense because it's it's almost it, 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 like on offense he's kind of sl- he, because he doesn't have the euro step right now he's almost slowed himself down and is is getting into kind of spots near the rim and just like hulking up through guys instead of like euroing and running into guys and maybe getting charges and and or throwing like crazy passes out of it so he's just getting there being patient is like i am bigger and stronger than you and i'm going to score over you now but because he doesn't have that lateral movement or stop start his closeouts aren't the same and that you know that's a pretty important part to milwaukee's defense so i think that it's a long-winded way of saying when we say that the phoenix is better it is better than this version of the box with 90% Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't put that on the trophy that uh, you beat 90% of Giannis. It's like, no, we just won, we won the, won the title. Give me a beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think I basically agree with you guys. I mean, we're, we're all on the same page here. I think the Suns right now are just playing much better basketball and they're obviously making shots. The Bucks are going to hit shots at home though. And and that's going to be the thing. Like, I think the Bucks will shoot at home. And so if, you know, if they can get hot a couple games, I guess it can go seven. But I want to I throw a comparison out there and see if you guys will come with me on this. I'm scared. Okay. okay. Let's go. No. So the, the, the finals, 
And it's it's different teams, obviously, but the finals that this reminds me most of right now is 2014, where one team is playing at a really high level and the other team is playing really hard and they just can't quite get there and you can just see them almost wearing down a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's a fair that's mm-hmm. a fair description of it. I think that's that's a good way of describing this finals. I don't think that's uh, a stretch at all. No, I actually, I'm not so scared anymore. That's a good one. That's a really good one because you know I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. And it's a little bit it's almost unexpected the disparity in play, right? Like I didn't expect the Suns to look this much better than the Bucks. Did you guys? At this, honestly, at this, I mean, like they have consistently been the most impressive team throughout the playoffs to me, and you know, and that's that's sort of regardless of who's in front of them. Again, like okay, they played this version of Denver, but they didn't just like sneak by this version of Denver; they smashed them, and they, you know, they, you know, that game six. Like I, I remember tweeting during game six, the first half against the Lakers, where like that was. Like a young team that hasn't been there, that was like sharks sensing blood in the water. And that's like, you know, okay, that's that's good stuff right there. You know what I mean? So I guess it's it may be surprising but not shocking given what we've seen. And again, if you take the part out where our skepticism about Phoenix's lack of experience – I don't think we'd be very surprised by anything we've seen if we just like if if we went into this with no like prior history of anybody based on just what we've seen this year and this playoffs. I don't think it would be, we'd be finding it particularly surprising. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, you yeah. guys got got anything, uh, any closing thoughts here as we wrap up? No, none whatsoever. Waiting yeah. for game three on, on Sunday. That's all I, I look, got. I, These have been two really good finals games. Yeah, that, like, that's what I was say about that? to say. Like, yeah. all, the basketball all, is like, good. The basketball yeah, is good. This, the, the, it's been beautiful. I mean, the Suns' offense is fun to I watch. Mean, I, the, you can quibble about maybe the refereeing in game one, right? Like there was a lot of free throws for the Suns. But the, the truth is the Bucks just weren't a, aggressive. So you're not going to the line, right? Like I, I think that this has been two really good finals games. Fun moving i mean just very compelling um and you know again Giannis rules i don't want to hear anything about a bag this guy can play man you just gotta he's just gotta be used the right way and i think we're seeing him in the playoffs like we're seeing flashes of what this guy could could reach it just feels like it's a little bit short this year and him being hurt i mean it's it's the ultimate bummer for this season but man the the game's been good so far the, the bag stuff is just weird. It is like not not specific to Giannis, but like, so you want you want the guy to do more of what he's less good at? <laughs> yes. What is that? Like, I mean, we're gonna like we're we're not that like you know to bounce a little bit. We're not we're about a year maybe a year like however long it takes New Orleans to figure their shit out from hearing that about Zion, yeah. and it's just like what is like no he he gets to the rim and scores. <laughs> That's good. What else does he need? I'm really tired of people trying to relitigate his two MVPs. And this is, I've heard it a bunch on podcasts and things like that. He's your two time MVP, but you can't go to him down the stretch. You know what? So was Shaq. You know, and I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two in that sense, but like everybody's trying to relitigate these things. Like he wasn't worthy of those. 
those accolades. You know, like he was the MVP both times. I don't think it was close in either situation. You could have made an argument he should have been somewhere in the voting this year in in that sense. But just, you know, obviously down the stretch, yeah, you have to play a little bit different. And it doesn't – close games in playoffs may not work out so well where you want the ball in Giannis's hands, the whole possession and things like that. But they'll stop using that as a way to go at his MVP. Yeah, like it's, it's just really annoying and stupid. It's, it's most valuable player, not mid-range most valuable player. And so it's, it's – you know, it doesn't have to be the guy who can shoot the MJ fadeaway. Like there's – there's more ways to be good about basketball than just like this one model. And it's it, Shaq is the interesting comparison because like Shaq started to have his great team success when he had the guy with him who could fill in those gaps. And you know who's been that guy for Giannis certainly in this year's playoffs has been Chris Middleton. Like who – okay, Giannis gets you to this point and then you also have the tough shot maker who happens to be another guy. And that's how you build a team is you build complementary pieces that put, put – so so it's a slightly different model of what the the, the best guy looks like. Teams why weren't do running we want plays. Them all, why do they want – what's that? Lakers, Lakers weren't running plays for Shaq at the end of games because they knew teams would just foul and put him on the line. Yeah. Like it's just that simple in that sense. Did it mean Shaq wasn't a, isn't one of the greatest of all times? Like, no, come on, guys. Like, everybody needs to just – it just annoys me. It really does begin to piss me off. And, 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 and you know why, like, especially in, in 2019, like, why Giannis won the MVP is because we didn't play any close games because we won by 25 because Giannis had eight dunks through three quarters. <laughs> right. Like, right. oh, you can't go to them. Well, yeah, because he's on the bench because we are – because we – because, you know, he's on the bench with ice packs on his on his ankles because we already won. Sorry, he's too good. He just, he's, yeah, he's too, too good, good at this. Yeah, exactly. Too good at putting the ball in the basket. Yeah. All right. But well, he's, no, he's got he's got to find harder ways to put it in the basket to because the degree of difficulty is because it's gym because it's a, a judge sport like gymnastics now. Well, now that we've uh, defended the honor, yelled at some clouds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's gonna do it for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, for for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Uh, we'll catch you next week where we might already have a champion.